The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and we are talking lots of different tours today. Joining me to do just that, Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, good to see you. A lot of tours going on today. This was this was quite a day in the game of golf. The Travelers was was a very interesting tournament for so many reasons. Uh, congrats to Inji Chung on her on her big win, uh, and and Potter Carrington closing the deal. It was it was big time day. Big time day, Mark Immelman, fresh off of TPC River Highlands. Good to have you, Mark. It's good to be here. It was an eventful afternoon, I guess. Um, still flabbergasted at what Seth did on the last hole, but that's that's for a later conversation. That is one of the talking points for this evening. Kyle Porter is here, KP. Nice haircut. Thank you. Uh, it was a really fun wide-ranging day of golf you know I, I think a lot of times we are very rightfully focused on on the pga tour and we could almost talk about everything but the pga tour today we're not going to but we could and fill up an entire hour so i'm, I'm excited about the conversation today and with all of that there was an entry that had Xander Shoffley in the one and done mark and i can tell you it's nobody here in this uh in this <laughs> video call right now was it coach what, who was it it was the fans man yeah fans oh, I'll tell you what, and they are loaded coming into the stretch run yet too because they didn't use players in the fall so so all of a sudden three million behind doesn't seem that big if you're me but we'll 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 wait till next week well we'll also cover all of that let's start with the ladies oh my gosh uh, I found myself ditching the PGA Tour while this thing was closing out here, Greg, because uh, the battle between Inji Chun trying to go wire to wire in one of the most fascinating ways, watching Le- Lexi Thompson uh, trying to get into the clubhouse, this this was compelling throughout. Yes, it really was. Uh, and Inji was so impressive, uh, even though <laughs> in a strange way, she shot 75-75 over the weekend, which made it quite interesting and made it... Um, you know, a very worthy conversation, but I was so impressed with what she did off the tee. I mean, she, had, she missed six fairways for the whole week. It was just, it's, in, it's incredible. She, it, it, for her greens of regulation, she hit 12 or more greens every day. It, it was just, um, a marvelous stuff. And, and it cooled off a little bit on the weekend for, her, but it brought a lot of other competitors into play, including Lexi. Uh, and that, that definitely made it much more interesting. The, uh, Real quick, Rick, I want to jump in here. She shot 64 on Thursday right. and gained – I don't have it in front of me. Uh, it looks like a typo. I think it was 11 and a half strokes on the field, which is not like a great 
round for the year. That's like a that that might be one of the great rounds in 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 not only women's but just golf history. Correct. I mean, eleven and a half. I wish I had the exact number. Historically, Ken Duke's round at the Players was like ten or eleven. Uh, Sebastian Munoz had a had a ten a tenner earlier this year, but it is it is few and far between when you start getting into double digits. Okay, so it was eleven point three eight, which was almost two strokes better than the next best women's PGA championship round over the last 10 years. Nelly had nine, nine and a half in 2021. It was a 63. 11.38 is almost unfathomable. I don't know that I've ever seen a number that high, Rick. Yeah, no, it's, it's unheard of. And, I could, and I what, could fiddle through the database, but it's, it doesn't happen often. And what that allowed her to do. And you, you see this tweet here, if you're watching on YouTube, I, somebody pointed this out to me. She shot, 64, 69, 75, 75 to win her third major. If you flip those around, 75, 75, 69, 64, she would have missed the cut. And it just, it, it was such a weird, um, we, I think sometimes we think about players building toward major wins, like, we're, like, like throughout a week. So you, so you, you, you progressively get better and better and better and better. And this was the exact opposite of that. She progressively got worse, 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 worse. And yet, because of the historic nature of that first round, she gave herself so much breathing room uh, to go win it on Sunday. She got a, she got it a little gifted to her, I think, by the way Lexi played, which we can talk about in a minute. But she still shot, shot 64, and that was, again, almost 11 and a half strokes better than the field on Thursday, which, which um, ultimately delivered her, her third major. We, we will indeed talk about Lexi Thompson, but Mark, a third – Major championship, uh, no matter whether it's the men's game or the ladies, uh, starts to put you in some rarefied air. And that's exactly what NG has done on this Sunday. Yeah, and I'm so proud of her. You know, I, I didn't get to watch much of the weekend because of what I was up to. But I did watch some on Thursday and Friday and it was compelling stuff because, you know, congressional is no pull it pushover. And the conditions were difficult. And with the upgrades to the golf course with future major men's major championships and I believe a Ryder Cup in store at the blue course, it's just uh, two hands full, that place. And, and to put together that first round, Kyle highlighted was was just a mammoth effort. And and then to back that up with another good one on round two was was impressive. And you could see some of the cracks were showing, but I was just so proud of her because she'd acknowledged the fact that she had been struggling with nerves and it had really become a thing. And so much so that um, she brought her old caddy back on the bag and, and she was seeing someone to help deal with the pressure of it all. And And it speaks to how human golf is. And then golfers that do stuff like this and athletes that do things like this, we sort of expect them to do that sort of stuff all the time. But they're just like you and I. They're very, very talented, obviously. And they deal with the similar sort of demons that we do. So, you know, whereas I was sort of, I wouldn't say pulling for Lexi, but I was excited she was in contention. Um, I was happy for NG to pull this thing off because I, in as much as what winning is incredible, I think if she had spilled it at the post, that would have left a horrid scar. So in many respects, she's she's not in some rarefied air, and, and I'm just happy for her that she, she closed the thing out in the end. Speaking of spilling it at the post, Lexi. Yeah. It's yeah. a tough scene. Stop me if you've heard this before. Uh, Lexi Thompson struggles with short putts down the stretch. She boasts three of her last four. 
to finish one shot behind uh, Inji, tied for second with with Minji Lee at four under par. KP, you segue into us. Why don't you? Why don't you just start us with the Lexi? Well, it, it's just. It- <laughs> I I mean, pick pick your analogy. I said Rick Ankiel. Other people have said Chuck Knobloch. It's it, so, so okay. So the putting is one thing, right? She, I mean, these these four footers, three footers. I mean, she had a tap in on eighteen, and I like cringed when as she was stepping up to it. It was like eight inches. Like that. That's the point that we're at. Where I, I'm like, I I think she could miss this. She didn't, thankfully. But so forget the putts. the 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 hole that sticks out to me was the the sixteenth, uh, the par five. Mm-hmm. She's greenside and two. She's flushing it. Her swing is not, you know, one that I would want my kids to emulate. It's not. It's not one that you love to look at. But she's flushing the hell out of it. She's hitting it great. So she's greenside and two. She hits a. Chi- I don't know if you saw this, Greg. She hits a chip that looked like like sometimes when I play, I do this thing where. I'm coming like on my downswing when I'm chipping, I'm like freaking out in my head. Like, don't, don't blade it. Don't fat, like all just 900 things that I'm thinking about. And what I end up doing is exactly what she did, where you have this, like, you take this panic, like scoopy whack at it and (laughs) you hit it three times as far as you intended to. And you, you go get it and you, you, you basically just, throw your wedge away because you can't do that again right like you can't, you can't pull that out again yeah. and so she puts it and she motors it like 15 feet past and leaves herself 15 feet for par on a par five where she was greenside in two and and that to me it, it, it's not it's emblematic of like what she's feeling because it's not if it was just the putter you'd be like okay well she's got a putting problem she has a nerves problem, right? Like the, the it's not just like with a putter in her hands. It's any tight, short, whatever shot. And that it was just, I mean, it, it felt like how I feel or it, it, when I was watching it, it looked like how I feel playing, right? As a 12 handicap who's terrible at golf. And that was just, it's just hard to watch somebody that, that is that good, that's put that much work in that's that good of a ball striker, just kick away another major championship like that. It's yeah. it, it, sorry, sorry, Greg, if I may, and I'll let you have it. it it's, it's back to that, the, the humanism of it all. It, it's, you know, what golf at the highest level is incredible and it can show you up so quickly. And when you get to that place that Kyle was highlighting, um, you just feel so alone and everything starts going so fast and, and, and there's just nowhere to hide. You can't sub somebody in you can't bring in a teammate. Um, maybe you can on the live tour one day, but you can't sub sub someone in for you, and you just got to be there. And 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 this golf, it's such an incredible game, and it'll take you to the highest of highs and then the lowest of lows in the space of four hours. And, and that's what makes it so compelling. And 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 to watch your go- to watch a golfer have to navigate that place is is ugly to watch, Greg. It, there's there's no uh, easy way to get it done. And what always seems to happen is in, in the game of golf, under the highest amount of pressure, your weaknesses are are um, they're put on display and you're on a stage and you end up walking across a tightrope. And there's only there's three options. You can go for it and you can make it and then you win and it's great. Or the other option is you you go for it and you fail and you fall off or you try to 
you know, play the safe route and you still fall off and fail. And so that that's the really hard thing is you have to have the go for it mindset. But ultimately, if you have a weakness the way um, the way Lexi does, and she showed this before, this happened at the Olympic Club. Uh, was it last year, two years ago? It, it was the same last kind year, of shot, yeah. right? The, those touchy feely, difficult shots at, at a, in a high level of a major championship. And under pressure, that area, your touch is tested the most. And unfortunately, that's the area of weakness for her. And then this is this is what you end up getting. But to make four bogeys on the back nine uh, of, a, of a major, when you're playing as well as she is, when you hit it as well as she does, it's it's even more disappointing. And it's this is going to be a tough one to swallow because she she should have won this tournament. Well, it, it's what's weird, Greg, is the the woman who went out in forty on Sunday and shot seventy five seventy five was not the one who was considered the the player that that kicked away the tournament, right? right? I mean, it it was just like such a the whole thing was uh, very. It was like the, the entire tournament was very much a roller coaster because it looked like Ng was going to win by fifteen on Friday night, and then she goes seventy five seventy five. And shoots forty on the front nine on Sunday, and then Lexi like gives it back. I don't know the whole thing. It would it actually would have been kind of fitting if Minji Lee would have would have emerged as the winner to win you know her second straight women's major, but she didn't. And uh, yeah, it was a, it was a crazy ending. There is a comment here from JetBlue Amigo that says, uh, "Is Lexi the Will Zalatoris of the LPGA?" And Mark, if you're talking about frequency of yellow squares on your wikipedia page the answer might be yes we have that jacob there you go that's a, mm. that's a lot of yellow squares uh unfortunately not as many green squares as lexi would like and by the way she's played in about a million majors well remember she played her first when she was like 12 or whatever it was how old was 14. she 14 yeah my goodness gracious i mean look i've been fortunate to spend some time around her and she I don't want to use the term starstruck, but when I saw her the first time and when I met her, I was a little starstruck because she's just got this aura about her and she's she, she's charming and she's obviously athletic and 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 to live your life in the spotlight like she has and when she was so tender and so young and and then she had the the, the wrangle with the LPGA that she did when she was too young to be a member, I believe it was, and then there was all that stuff she had to go through and through it all just kept her head high and kept playing and she's put herself in contention more often than not and yes would she have wanted more but i'm here to tell you and maybe i'm going to throw water on the the argument but winning just one of these things is incredible and yes maybe she's messed up a few and she'll she'll rue those sorts of things but at least she's got one on the uh on the resume and then to build on that she's still energetic and working towards it because you know, sometimes when you get burned so much, you can sort of lose the interest and then just sort of go, whatever, do I have to really do this stuff anymore? But she's still working hard. If you watch her in the gym, she she's an animal in there and she's working hard in her game. And she mentioned to me, she's been really logging time on the putting green and around the putting greens because she's identified that is an area that doesn't work. So she's still got the desire, um, which which is cool. I, I just I'm hope she's able to rebound from this one again because there have been so many. Two things on Lexi, real quick. Uh, one, I, I don't 
doubt that she works hard. I think you can't, uh, you can't perform like that without working hard. She also though, doesn't seem to necessarily enjoy golf that much. Like this is very much like outsider looking in, just observing her. She just, I, I don't, I don't know if it's, I don't watch Lexi on a week to week basis, but she, there seems to be a little bit of a lack of joy there. Um, and maybe that's because she's in her head at major championships and was like, you know, freaking out on the inside. And that, and those are the times that I see her the most. Um, and then two, I'm curious about what everybody else thinks more majors over the course of their career between her and, and Zalatoris, who wins more. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which league is stronger. I mean, the LPGA is just so deep and some of these Korean girls are superstars. So, uh, shucks I, i'd give it i just my argument i'd give it to will just because he's younger you know he's got more golf injury free in front of him um but i do want to say this kyle and about the joy uh, I'll, I'll go to a colleague of mine in nick Faldo because he jokes about the fact that sometimes before we go on a broadcast for a major championship a lot of us and the executives sort of say to us we'll just go out there and loosen up and have fun and nick would go how the heck do you have fun he goes, man, we're under pressure. This is hard. We try to do our best. And then he, he'll tell a story about when he's played. Like we went to dinner last night and he shared some incredible stories about, you know, winning big events and the grind thereof. And he goes, yeah, it's fun afterwards. But while you're on the golf course, it's not that fun. You, you are like nose to the grindstone trying to survive and outdo your co competition. So maybe there's some of that in there. And may, maybe she could flash a smile once, once in a while. But when you're in, when you're a little bit in your head, like she might be when she's scared of some short game shot, you know, it's going to be hard to smile. Uh, I don't care who you are. I don't know how much younger Zalatoris is than uh, Lexi, by the way. Yeah. Uh, although I, I would say he has a lot more, like, just because of the like uh, age arc of the men's game compared to the women's. He probably has, I think, and this is to your point, he has a lot more uh, years left. Yeah. Well, we are, well, Lexi might be like 28 or 9 or whatever, but she's got a lot of miles on the tires, you know. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. We're going to we're going to move on here, but to to put a bow on this. Uh KP, you asked I so I, I ran the last 8 years. 265,000 rounds worldwide. So that's PGA, Euro, Corn Ferry, Champions Tour. Uh Ken Duke had a 10.59. That was his that was his round. Okay. I've got one better than Ingie's. Uh, it's a 12.05. <sighs> and she, okay, so before you tell me who it is and where, I want to point out that she did hers in a major championship. This was not at a major championship. Any guesses? We can make some guesses here. Um, Sung Kang at the at Pebble. Uh, that is not a bad guess. That was a. Oh, was it? Was it Furyk? Um, not That's the what I was going to guess. The the the. Oh, like Conway Arms. Yeah. That is a uh, a ten six six, I believe. Okay. Yeah. What about um, what about uh? Mm, that's probably not it. I was going to say JT at Sony. What about uh, Xander's sixty one at uh at Century Tournament of Champions? You know what? No, that That's is not it. I'm, I'm actually 
I'm actually questioning. <laughs> I'm actually questioning whether this is actually right or not. Oh, I'm gonna have to look into this. So here's the yeah. So, uh, Greg, I thought you might sniff this one out. It was Adam Hadwin's 59. However, oh, but it, different courses though. Yeah, that might be yeah. looking at all three courses for the day and not just what he played. Played La Quinta. Yeah, he played. He La played La Quinta. Yeah. So, so there might not be a 12 out there. I'd have to go back and rerun the numbers, but the way the tour sends me the data, that could be just the scoring average for all all three scores all day, all three courses all day. Mm. 12 better than the field or 11 and a half better than the field average at a major. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I, this sounds like hyperbole. It has to be one of the 10 best rounds in women's golf history. Oh, easily. I don't think it's that close. Honestly, it's like the top three. It's, it's insane. It's, a, it's an astounding number. All right. Gents, we got to talk about the PGA Tour. We got to talk about Xander. We got to talk about Cantlay. We got to talk about everything else. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain. Those numbers do not add up to me. And I know it can be confusing the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple. And that's where super feet comes into play. These super feet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. And we're back. Travelers Championship was not decided by a playoff mark. I don't know if you knew this. I'm sure you did. 75% of the Travelers Championships have been decided by a playoff or a single stroke. Uh, this one was part of the 25%. Neither one of those things. Yeah, thanks, sweet Jesus. That one last year, that went on forever. And I remember, the one thing I remember about it, just besides the saves these guys were making to stay alive, was afterwards when we got back to the hotel, there was nothing open. You couldn't get find food anywhere because it was like in the middle of the night over here. So it was nice to get this one done in regulation. It was sad that it finished the way it did because it was shaping up to be quite exciting. Um, I would have loved to have seen, I don't know, maybe see Heath make a par on the last and force Xander to make birdie or whatever. But anyhow, it is what it is, and that's golf. And I guess that that's a follow-on from the, the ladies' conversation we've just had. Stuff happens, you know, and stuff happens fast when things are going wrong. Yeah, we're going to talk about that 18th hole from Tagala. But Xander Shoffley goes out and wins 19 under par thanks to a Sunday 68. And this continues to add to the very bizarre resume, Greg, that is Xander Shoffley's. But he has now finally tacked on another 
individual stroke play full field cut event to the resume he's on a roll i feel like he needed this one or maybe i just think he needed this one <laughs> well i mean it's easy to see it coming in a way he's been playing some really good golf of late since the zero classic you're looking at uh every finish for him has been inside the top what top, between 18 and 12 right um yeah, every single one since then. Tied 5th, 13th, tied 18th, 14th last week at the Open. He's been gaining strokes across the board. It's It's been quietly very solid play. And so there's no surprise to see a, another one come at the end of this. But, um, but, but I think this was a really big step. And I know, Kyle, we've talked about this a lot in the past. It's like uh, the, it, he took that step today where he takes a 36-hole lead, takes a... 54 hole lead and seals the deal and gets it done. It maybe wasn't as smooth as he would have liked, but he, he held on and had, it was down one at one point late to, to the gala, which was, you know, you kind of felt like it was all going to fall apart, but he ends up getting the job done. And I think it's a big step for him. Technically Kyle sixth PGA tour victory. That does not <laughs> include Shadow leaderboard at the tour championship. It obviously doesn't include his Olympics victory, but six real life PGA tour sanctioned victories is how they count these for Xander. Do you, do you guys know how many, you might know this Rick, how many times he coming into today, how many other times he had led a PGA tour non shadow leaderboard going into the final round? I, I do know the answer to that, I think. <clears throat> what is I think it? it was five. I think it was five. It was five. Yeah. And he won I think none was, of those. I think it was 0 for 5, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I, so I think my point in that is he actually, if you, so Data Golf has this really cool tool called the pressure tool, which I'm sure you guys have used before, but pressure. He, pressure. His play on Sundays when he goes in with a lead is actually not that bad. It's it's kind of below what is expected based on their model, but there's a lot of guys that are below what is expected. Rory is well below what is expected. Spieth is well below what is expected. What's different about those guys is they start to rack up 54-hole leads. And so... You just like when you when you put yourself in that position after 54 holes, you kind of stumble into some wins. I think Xander actually, I think sometimes, and, and I've probably been guilty of this, we think about him as oh, can't close, allergic to the lead, but we only think about it in terms of the final round. I always go back to uh the last year's masters when he gets near the lead on 16, just hits a horrible uh shot on 16 into the water. And you're like, oh, you know, Xander does it again. Uh, yeah, here's the tool that I'm talking about. But I, I actually think his issue has been not getting in, like for as good as he's been statistically and as consistently as he's played, he hasn't really led after 54 holes as many times as I would have thought. Uh, so I think the criticism of him would actually be more early in tournaments, those first 54 holes, putting himself into position because – if I just look at these numbers, this data, I, it's very difficult to criticize the way he's played on Sundays when he goes in first or, or tied for first. And I think that is that's something that I've maybe evolved on just after looking at some of these numbers over the last couple of days. And just to add real quick to that, Kyle, um, if you look at his scoring average ranks on tour, 
He's he's third in round four scoring average. Yeah, uh, yeah. One hundred and twenty first in round two scoring average. Yeah, so it's uh, it's which is interesting. He always and and this is you know I think we think about what's the, what's the one that he won from behind twenty uh, was it nineteenth century. He Barnes, he beat Gary Woodland. Yeah. yeah, he yeah. beat Gary Woodland. We think about him in terms of like that's sort of emblematic of his career, right? Where it's like he doesn't he's not that I mean, he's good over 54 holes, but he doesn't put himself in that 54 hole leader position enough. And it was good to see him. It, it's 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 hard not to win uh, at least a couple of times if you're con- if you're constantly in the 54 hole leader position, unless you just are a complete choker and kick away everything. And I don't, I don't think that's true of Xander. And, and so it was good to see him kind of take advantage of that 54 hole position this week. And I want to see it. I'd like to see him do it more in the future because I think the talent is immense enough to, uh, to, to have that expectation. You, uh, Jacob pulled up the scoring average ranks here 44th after first or in the first round, 121st in the second round, Sixth in the third round, third in in the fourth round. If if you're better in the first two rounds, you don't have to be great on Sundays to just stumble into a couple of wins, right? Because the 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 things that happen on Sundays are very you can control them more when you're the leader going into the final round rather than having to shoot 60, 61, 62 to win the tournament. Okay, only well, I, I have to. Um, please. I need you guys to explain to me how many wins is acceptable by your de- by the degrees of critique here, because I- I'm saying this dude has six wins. Now, granted, they might not come in fancy events, or maybe there's one is at a shadow leaderboard, whatever. But if you look at his mantelpiece, there are so many trophies over there. So, so what is what expectation do you have? Because I'm looking at Zana going. The guy's young. He's got six wins. He's got a whole bunch of golf in front of him. He swings it awesome, and he keeps growing as a player every time I see him. Yeah, uh, Mark, I think that's uh, very fair. And six wins is great. Um, And uh, all we're simply doing is addressing some past concerns because we've seen him in the mix from time to time and not get it done. There are these moments where Xander seems to fall apart. And does that mean he's a less than player? No, but does it mean he's less than compared to his, his own expectations and the expectations that his talent presents? Quite possibly. Uh, and and I think those are two very different things. Where we would we judge and analyze the career of Tiger Woods a lot differently than um, than some other, than Scott Stallings, right? When when Scott Stallings wins, <laughs> don't, it, don't bring him into this. Don't it, do that. It carries a different weight. Xander's a perennial Ryder Cup player. He's a perennial top ten player in the world. He's a he's a stud. And so you 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 analyze what he does in final rounds, what he does in contention, at a at a very different level than where you analyze a uh, Scott Stallings. Mm. So I, I I don't think that we're saying he's a less than of a player. Of course, six wins is incredible, but there, there's a the the point of it's relative to what you expect from him. It's relative to what he does week in and week out, and all that stuff is so good it it raises the expectation. Well, he I came think, out. Of, let's let's not forget he came out of that class that included Spieth and Thomas and Grillo and all that superstars. What was that? Twenty eleven. They were named, or uh, and I want you to name all of them because he admitted to me. He goes in that class. He was not even known. 
he's like he couldn't afford to go and play in the big AJGA events against all of the stars and stuff. And then he went to Long Beach State for a little while before he ended up at San Diego State. He was never a blue chip. And then eventually he sort of came around and kept building. And and so if you look at Jordan, how many wins has he got? Well, what's what's 14. 14. Yeah, 14. JT's got what? 14, 15. 14. So I'm almost inclined to say that he's got half of the wins that these superstars had that he grew up and came out with, grew up alongside and came out with. So yeah, I hear the, I hear the conversation, but we need to also tip our cap and go, dude, you are good. And you were the star that a bunch of, that didn't want to say carry the American Ryder Cup team, but he was one of the guys that did work that week over there whistling straights. And he's going to be a large part of that mix in the future as far as I'm concerned as well. I think I think Xander's fine. I think sometimes we – and maybe this is our fault. And, and he gets – this is the Finau thing, right, where he he almost gets unfairly docked because he's in the mix so often. Xander's a – like just – constantly he's top 10 top 10 in i don't mean in tournaments i mean he's a top 10 player in the world i mean i, I you could look up the weeks of how many times he's been he, he's he's always in the top 10 in the world and for a guy like that you would expect a winning percentage of i don't know five six seven percent i think and coming into today if you depending on how you feel about the team win but he had won uh what four well pull pull up the uh what do you want? His like 133 PGA Tour events played. You want that one? So he had won. He'd won one, five two, out of 133. Five out of 133, and then f- five, four uh, four out of 130 something. Right. Essentially, he had he had won like three percent of the time, which is not to 3. me. 7. It's not it's not commensurate with a top ten player in the world. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a good player, but and so maybe maybe he's unfairly docked because his statistics and his numbers and his finishes are so good. But if that's true, then I I just I think the expectation is that you would be winning more. What were you going to say, Rick? He also finishes inside the top ten in twenty seven percent of his start. So it is it is a gifted a curse. Uh, there's two things wrong with the way that we look at this. One, we way wins way more than they should and also the female thing that you mentioned kyle it's it's a gift and a curse when someone like my stupid mouth says like uh, oh he doesn't win enough it's like well i don't say, yeah i don't say that about scott songs i only say that about guys that i i like it's almost a compliment because of how great i think he is help me uh help me real fast how many wins does john rom have a lot more than xander how many and the PGA Tour. Uh, I'll, I'll get you official PGA Tour wins here in a second. It's it's not a lot. But Mark, we were I, I'll say we were we were uh, critical. At least I was. He has seven. Um, we were fairly critical of him earlier this year when he was playing so well and wasn't closing the deal and wasn't winning. And the point there is you only have this stretch of great play. It only lasts so long and you lose an area of your game. The putter goes cold or something like that happens. And all of a sudden your chances of winning go down. And, and so you have to take advantage. You got to strike while the iron's hot. You got to, you got to 
win when you have when your when your game is up for the ta- uh, up for the challenge. So we were critical of guys like that, and we were very critical of John Rom earlier this year. I would also say. Okay, this is. I'm going to read you a stat that this is why I think we're critical of Xander, and maybe you can, uh, Jacob. Maybe you can pull up this tweet. This is from. I'd have to go back and redo this uh, because I did it at the end of January, and guys have won since then, and whatever. But this is as of the end of January, uh, 2022. This was the top ten in the world at the time, and their winning percentage on OWGR events. So OWGR events includes. Xander's Tour Championship, but it doesn't include uh, his uh, Zurich Classic with Cantley because that's but not does, an OWGR but, but it does include his Olympics. It does include the Olympics. So, okay. This is winning percentage of top 10 players in the world at the time. This was January 30th or whatever. So this has changed, but this is this n- these numbers right here are why we're critical of Cantley. Or excuse me, well, maybe Cantley too, but also Xander. Uh, Rom wins 10% of the time. Morikawa wins 9% of the time. Cantley wins four and a half. DJ's at eight. That's an unreal number over the course of 20 years. Hovland's at eight. JT's at seven. Xander down at that dropped even further, but he was at four. Uh, so that was the lowest alongside Cantley. Rory's at eight. That's an unbelievable number that's actually gone up since then. Bryson at six and a half. Bryson's like not even top 30 in the world anymore now. And then Hideki at six and a half as well. So I think, I think these numbers right here are why criticism of both Cantley and Xander is somewhat warranted based on their position in the top 10 in the world. Okay. I just got to I, I hear you, but I just want to highlight the fact that as you look through these names, Rom, um, Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, uh, Rory, those are generational guys. So you got to remove them from that because they just play the game at a different clip. I'm going back to who Xander was as a young man. He wasn't the star. He was some guy coming up who was pretty good. And he is proving the fact that he's pretty good and he's becoming better and better. So, yeah, yeah, the arguments and stuff, but he's still got six, six victories. And but if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're, yeah, if everyone should win more. But if your talent is good, I think what I'm saying is if your talent is good enough to be top 10 in the world, which Xander's clearly is, then your winning percentage should be commensurate with that talent. All right. And nice. I think Xander's gotten by on top you know, T8s and T9s and T6s. And I think it's fair to, to I mean, does Xander want us comparing him to his 18-year-old self or to the other top 10 players in the world, which is what he is? I, I think that, I think he would probably want the latter, which is is sort of what we're doing right now. And it's why winning stuff like the Travelers is is meaningful for him, is is a big deal, I think, for for the arc of his career. Sixth. PGA Tour victory for Xander Shoffley. Two shots clear of JT Poston and Sahith Tagala. The latter there uh, looked like this could have been his, Greg. Looked like he had a chance to capture that first career PGA Tour victory. Birdie 17, great putt. Makes double on 18. Little bit unlucky for his ball to end up where it was, but then you start to get the rumblings of questionable decision-making after that. Yes. Uh, so a couple things on, say, Saif. First of all, fantastic to watch. He is so fun to watch. Um, he, he is, the mannerisms after he hits a golf ball are incredible. And they're so fun. I just, there's no other word to explain it. So uh, I love watching his reactions. I, I love watching all that. Uh, and and his game is is very good too. He's, 
He nearly took the top spot of the rookie of the year race today. Mm. He very nearly did. Um, a, a win goes a long way, and I think it probably put would have put him ahead of uh, Cam Young if it ended today. Uh, so this is really, really cool stuff we're talking about. On 18, there's a couple things you can question. One is the driver. Should he have hit driver off the tee with a one-shot lead? I I think driver's fine. But the the second shot after that is is just it's reckless at that which, point. Which just for those who didn't see it, Greg, it was what like three inches from the lip of the bunker. I mean, it, it yeah. was he had very little to do. You think he should have just splashed it out the first time? Yeah, absolutely. He absolutely should have splashed it out. And if you just take a second and think about it now. At the end of the day, the a par there doesn't guarantee anything. So that's why that's why I'm okay with driver because you're a one shot lead. You still need to, a birdie wins you the tournament. You make birdie and it's over. So what's my best chance to make birdie? Okay, driver, that's fine. There's plenty of room to hit driver. It's it's a it, Xander hit driver. I, they everybody hits driver. A lot of players hit driver. So that's not the issue. But when you hit driver, now you have to have the ability to accept the consequences. And if you hit it into a place where you can't advance it to the green, you, you have to take your best option. You have to take your next best option. And this was not his next best option. I mean, he almost, he could hit himself. He could have left it in his own divot. This could have been way worse. He was lucky to have a putt for bogey, quite frankly. Um, he, and, and that's, that's concerning. He, he takes a hack at it, Mark, and it moves, uh, according to shot tracker, four inches that's that's four inches backwards that, that that's whole, backwards. that yeah. that's where he hit it and now he's got to go through the whole conversation again of well now what and then he ends up splashing it out he actually hits a pretty good shot as greg alludes to he gives himself a putt for bogey and it's a devastating lip out from a great camera angle that we had but man things things really start to spin fast in that moment i can imagine they really did um just to revisit the entire thing because i was calling him um if memory serves me, it was about 320 over the top of that bunker down the left-hand side. And the entire day, he'd hit drivers that were like head high that had gone like 330-ish. But a lot of the stuff was along the ground. So I figure maybe he was just pulling drivers to take it over the top of that in the air downwind and just give himself a flip onto the green. Um, he doesn't carry a three metal. He's got like a beefed up um, hybrid that is 16 degrees, he tells me, because he said he's never been able to hit a three wood. So he just doesn't even try. So he's got driver and this driving iron. Um, and then when it was in there, I found it curious that his caddy, um, Carl, there was a leaderboard right behind them. I mean, as Carl was looking at Sahith, who was in the bunker looking at the lie, you could see over the fans from my vantage point, from where he was looking, and see the board. And you can see that, okay, I'm one ahead of Xander right now. And I'm, I, I, I couldn't hear all of the conversation, but I'm curious if it didn't happen, and forgive me, Carl, if it did, that he didn't just go, because at one stage he disagreed with the play. Mm -hmm. he sh and, and go to Sahith, big guy, you won in front. You splash this thing out, you wedge it on the green to kind of where you do 10, 15 feet, and you give yourself a putt for four. You just eliminate the disaster. And Sahith, the, the angle he had to launch this thing on, and what he had going for him was he was slightly on an upslope. But he was only a few inches from the lip of the bunker, and that thing would have had to launch at sharper than a 45-degree angle. But the problem was it was only 105 yards to the front. So I'm thinking he's thinking, 
all right, big hard swing, lofted wedge off an upsloping lie. I can get this up, get it somewhere close to the green. Um, and hindsight's twenty twenty. But through it all, I think you'll learn something from this because, like we were talking in break, and Felder was like, well, you shouldn't hit drive off the tee. And I was like, well, he doesn't have other options. And then I said to him, he just should have splashed it out like you said the first time. But that's not how he plays. He's creative. He hits balls head high. He, he's, he's almost like a, an Indian Bubba Watson to me, the, the way he curves the ball through the air, and he loves curving it. And, and he just sees shots and hits them, and he believed he could. And so Carl stepped out of the way with a bag, and you could see Carl was like, oh, I'm not liking this. And the next thing, he's playing from four inches behind where he was the second time. So it was all pretty rough, and I'm sure it's stinging right now because he had a, a really legit shot to win this thing. And I would like to think that he will learn from this and not make the same mistake if he's in a similar situation down the track because he was in a he was sort of in the play-to-win mindset the entire day because he was chasing. And all of a sudden, with a birdie on 17, he's got the lead. Now, sometimes when you get the lead, you you, you adopt a different mindset where he didn't. And, and and that's a skill. That's learning how to win. That's something that Xander Shoffley is still learning a little bit. David Duval took him ages. Mickelson took him forever to win major championships. So, yeah, it, it was horrid to watch. It was horrid to watch him sort of unfold a little bit. But in the end, kudos to him for hitting a gorgeous spinning wedge in there to about 10 feet to give himself a shot to make bogey. And to this moment, guys, I'm still absolutely gobsmacked that that putt didn't go down for the bogey. But yeah, that's golf. That's what it is. And and, and it, you love it and it sucks all in one breath. That that putt in the camera angle that we had on it was uh, was perfect. And it was creeping back right right at the lip and, and hard hard lips out, KP. But... Tagala's your, he's your 2020 Haskins winner. He's flashed on the PGA tour already a couple of times. I mean, this is uh, starting to become a little bit more of a trend. He's, he is such a talented golfer and you see it out there uh, so often. It didn't work out for him here. And maybe he sleeps a little bit better because Xander ends up making birdie on 18 anyway, but man, this one felt like it was, it was going to be his. It did. Uh, he's tremendous. I I think I was talking about this on HQ. I think maybe there wasn't, wasn't as much attention paid to him coming out of school because he was in that weird COVID time. And he just sort of, I mean, I mean, everybody who, who came out to the, to the corn fair PGA tour just sort of sneaked out there and showed up and we're like, Oh yeah, we were talking about just a a ton of other things other than, Hey, who are the young guys that are kind of coming out here? And so in that sense, it's like it, it felt like at Phoenix, if you weren't paying attention when like during COVID, it was a little bit like, wait, who's this guy again? And then you start doing the research on you're like, oh, he was he was awesome in college. Like he was really like the pedigree is is immense. And I think what's interesting, I mean, the 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 putt on 18 was heartbreaking, but I think what is interesting about the gala is, and maybe I'm the only nerd who cares about this, I think he's he's made the PGA tour rookie of the year race super interesting. Cause you got Cam Young, you got Davis Riley, you got Mito Pereira and you've got Thagala is kind of your top. Oh, here we go. And then Chad Ramey's the only one out of those guys that's, that's one. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, but I, I think that that again, it's, I might be the only one that cares about it. Although I think if you look back on rookies of the year, you can kind of project out a, a, 
you kind of know what you're getting from those guys in terms of a career. Um, but he's he's played his way into that conversation with this performance. T5 at Memorial almost wins Phoenix. And I'm excited to see kind of where that goes the rest of this year and, and beyond. Well, let's let's roll that. Let's roll that young, young gun conversation forward. Although I will say I watch a lot of golf and like three times a year, I will actually ex- exclaim something at the television that putt not dropping on 18 uh was one of the three times this year i think it got me to actually yell at a television i, um, I did i did as well i yelped i yeah. I, I never i yeah. never do that like people i think people think like oh it'd be crazy to like watch golf with you guys and i'm like no it's actually i'm like researching and like writing i it's it's very not it's very boring it's very not fun that was one of the times when it would have been exciting and fun yeah. uh how about this here, Greg? Michael Thorbjornson contends, right? We almost we almost get an amateur winning this golf tournament. He ends up finishing, I think he finished T6. No, fourth place by himself. Fourth. My apologies, Michael. And then you've got uh, Pearson Cootie, who goes out and wins on the Corn Ferry Tour. Living yeah. in open, shot a 28 on his front nine. Uh, and also, as we learned this week, turned down an offer from the guys over at Live. I mean, we... Here we go again. Another young crop of potential stars. And I think that this is where the live and the PGA tour stuff becomes very blurred for me. You know, how is how is live going to create their own stars? Are the young guys going to stay here? Are they going to build? This is like this is such a phenomenal subplot to all this stuff that we've been talking about. Here's the thing about young guys in the game of golf. And, and this is different than any other sport. You you can have young college stars in golf that amount to nothing. It happens in other sports too. That's not the part that's different. But you have to you have to accomplish something that is um, that that has some kind of connection to it. And if if these players go over to the live tour, their success is incredibly hard to measure. And and so you don't really have a great understanding of who or context. what they are. There's no context. That's a, a great word for it. Um, th- so you don't really know unless they're able to can to play in majors. And then can they get world golf ranking points to play in majors? Are they going to qualify for opens? These things all are are very much in question. And then the other thing is that they develop through the developmental tour. That's the Corn Ferry Tour. And I heard Tom Lehman talk about this, who played. Um, at the time it was the Nike tour when he played and he said that this is, it, this teaches you toughness. The, the difference in pay on the, the minor league, the corn Ferry tour and the PGA tour is what makes it so developmentally effective because you have to play for your livelihood. If you fail, your career ends. And there's that line is you're not going to be a career corn Ferry tour player. And you're getting closer to being able to do that now. But when Tom Lehman was playing, it, you, I got to win. It's not even I can come and set. If I come in 10th place, I'm going to walk away with $1,000 and I'm going to lose money for the week. If I win, I can actually make a little bit and then I'll get closer to the PGA Tour. And so playing under that kind of pressure is very different than having a guaranteed contract and and um, and, and going to play for live. Although it's life changing, it's really hard to determine if that's a star. The star is not made in college in golf. It's very rare that a Jordan Spieth comes along and is a star 
in their amateur life. And that trans uh, transfers into professional golf. The stars are really made on the, on the PGA tour. They're made in that scene and where they come from doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter the same as it does in college football where we know, okay, he played at Alabama. Okay. He played, he, he played basketball at Duke. We, we know those things. They're less, we're less familiar with it in golf. And I think as a result, it matters less. I tweeted something out after uh, Cootie won and I only like halfway believe it, <laughs> but I put it out there anyway. Okay, <laughs> and the thing that I put out there is that the tour. And I think, I think people have been, I mean, I've heard a little bit of everything over the last couple of weeks, but I think people are critical because we are not critical enough of the tour, which I think is, uh, kind of i don't know i i i have been critical of the tour and i think we all have at times um but this is what i put out there the tour has to figure out how to not box out the wills alatoruses and pearson cooties of the world i mean think about this in in terms of other sports and this is what i put out there if john morant was like lighting up the g league but there was no way for him to 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 get called up to the NBA until the following year. And even then it would be sort of spotty when you would see him and when he would play. It just is not, I mean, people, people get excited about young talent, about future stars, right? And so when you've got these college guys coming out or even younger, uh, you think about an Akshay Batia, people get excited about that. They want to see that. And the tour just has not done a good job of sort of building that pipeline and they're kind of piecing it together right now because they're being forced to, but it's, it's in, it's in flux. I mean, Eugenio Shikara from Oklahoma state, number two amateur in the world, he signs with live. And this is, we don't need to get like too deep into this because you could, we could be arguing about it for hours, but part of the reason for that, I have to think is because the, path to the PGA tour is extraordinarily difficult. difficult. And that's, and that's one thing that's beautiful about it and great about it, the meritocracy of it, but as a business model and as something that excites fans, I don't know, man, I, I want to see Pearson Cootie play on the PGA tour over the next three or four months. And that's probably not going to happen. Well, I think it will, but th- that's the, that's the thing about the game is w- you don't have to have a card to play in the event. And so that's why you look at the official world golf rankings and Rory McIlroy and John Rahm and Colin Morikawa, all, all of those guys who are two of the top uh, three of the top four players in the world. They didn't play on the corn Ferry tour. You know, Jordan Spieth didn't, you know, Bryson DeChambeau didn't. They, uh, Victor Hovland played in corn Ferry tour finals, uh, but he was very close. Matthew Wolf. I know I ironically he's, gone to live now but he didn't play corn fairy tour he got right to the pga tour so there's a pathway it's just a very narrow one and so these young these young stars that come out aren't coming out every single year they're to use the term mark used earlier they're near generational talents and it's very difficult to accomplish that goal but at the same time it's never given to you you're not handed a chance um well Maybe you are in a you earn it to some degree, but a sponsor's exemption in a way is it, it's uh, it, it's handed out by someone. There's just there happens to be for the most part a reason for it. 
Um, but but when you get that chance, you can take advantage of it and you can qualify for the PGA Tour in the next year without playing the Corn Ferry Tour. So I, I think um, I just I think it's a it's a much more rare feat in golf, which I well, view as a good thing. What's the what's the path for Pearson Cootie to get on the PGA Tour this year? And think about that compared to think about if 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 Memphis was forced to stash John ja Morant in the G League until the next year, like that. Like, well, so Pearson Cootie can do what twenty five is in on the list. To get on this year, he's got to win two more times. Right. He can and he can do that just like Mito Pereira did last year. It's called a battlefield promotion. Right. Um, and, and you can get on in the middle of the season. And I'm pretty certain he's going to get some sponsors' invitations. You're entitled up to seven of them. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets, uh, if he doesn't show up at the John Deere Classic next week. And then it's up to him to decide, okay, do I try and play more corn ferries than win there, or do I go and try my hand on the PGA Tour? And that's part of the conundrum. And that's, again, some of the, in my opinion, to build on what Greg's saying, the beauty of it all. Um, and, and, and I don't think, I don't, I don't think having to make that decision is, I think it's, I think it's dumb. Shouldn't, shouldn't the tour have what the equivalent of sponsors exemptions are? What do you mean? What? So, so, okay. Next week is John Deere. Uh, and we've got however many spots left for sponsors exemptions and whatnot. Why, why can't the PGA tour hand out a sponsors exemption to Pearson Cootie? Yeah, they, they, and you, and you shouldn't have, I mean, having to decide between playing corn fair events and tour events yep. as, as like you, your path to get to the PGA tour is, is I'm sorry. It's kind of asinine. We, we like, had Brandon Rue on the pod it, during COVID and he was like, I'm going to skip PGA tour events because I'm so close to guaranteeing my card. I can't miss those corn fairy weeks. I would have to finish like seventh or better on the PGA tour for this to matter. I'd rather secure my spot now. And the tour is disincentivizing its future stars from playing on the, on the tour currently, which is, <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not smart. Like that is not a smart thing. Well, one solution, one thing that they should probably consider is making points on, and I think they did this in majors. But making points on the PGA Tour, if you play there, somehow apply to the Corn Ferry Tour standings. Not that you get there. There's a way to do that. I don't know what it yeah. is, but you should yeah. be able to reap the benefit on. Yes. Right. And if you did that, I think it would help that problem. Um, but I still I think these guys want to play the corn. They want to play the PGA Tour. And if you if you feel like top seven is a realistic uh, um you're at a point where that's a very realistic for you as pearson cootie might feel right now then you should do it and it it, it um it's a life-changing opportunity at the risk of getting mixed up in the weeds a little bit over here i i just i want to recognize what pearson cootie's just done just uh, what was it, a month ago they win the national championship texas right he's leading the pga tour university standing so he gets the corn ferry tour exemptions he goes out there and in his third go has a victory. Uh, we, it, yeah, it, should he? Could they create a way for guys to get in the tour a lot, e lot easier? Absolutely. Wouldn't that be great? But it's, uh, yeah, people might say the tour is slow to operate or whatever, but this is sort of how it's ran over the last little while. And my cap is tipped to this Pearson Cootie. My goodness gracious. What a fact to win your third profession in your third professional attempt. That is unreal. Granted, it's on the Corn Ferry Tour, 
and and let's just laud that achievement for a little while and then let the chips sort of fall where they may because you know Tiger Woods had to use his seven stars to earn his tour card Phil Mickelson all of them and and that's sort of how it went and that's why if they were mentoring young Pearson Cooney they'd probably go you know make smart decisions play good golf let's hope stuff works out for you it's just sort of how it is and I hate to sound crass like that but it's the rules of engagement right now. And when you sign up for it, you know. And Chikara went the other way. But I could have told you you would have because his buddies were Sergio Garcia. And when he was a candidate for my Palmer Cup team a few years ago, uh, he was the, word, the, the verdict was out on him. So uh, I, I just commend P- Pearson Cootie. I'm being long-winded. I'm sorry. The, at, at, what, at what point does that become a problem? Like, like, is it, it is a problem. But it, it's a... Like Pearson Cootie has done something now this week that we all recognize as greatness. And we don't, we're not familiar with stars in the college game the way we, until so now, let's say Pearson Cootie won a, a PGA Tour event this week, like Michael, uh, like Michael had a chance to do. Michael Thor Bjornsson earlier had a chance to win. Now, yeah, all of a sudden, you know exactly, it, it, he becomes a star in that moment. But he's not a star as a, as a sophomore at Stanford in, in the eyes of the game. So in a way, you go to live and in, in, in a way, you, dis, you almost disappear from stardom. Um, so I, I just I find it very difficult to reason. And I think context, Kyle, is the real word here. It's really hard to find context. But when you've made it through the rungs of golf here in America and you arrive on tour and you do something that's worthy of stardom. It, that's how stars are made. You know, they're not, they're not born. We just realize it one day. And I, I think that's, I think that's pretty cool. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to pause this there. because I, We could go like three hours. On and this. we've got another live week coming up next week and it's going to be a whole thing. So we're going <laughs> to, we're going to, we're going to roll on. We've got a, get over our best bets and we've got to talk about the massive move that has been made in the one and done but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners it's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym and viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there. And I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for four our listeners. Uh, first time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, Not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viore.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. And we're back. Uh, Patrick Cantlay should be thanking the live golf amateur, all that conversation. Cause he had himself quite a day in the wrong direction and we didn't even spend any oxygen on it. Best bets. Uh, let's see, Mark. Ooh, I'm embarrassed. Uh, don't even show it. I'm embarrassed at that call. I mean, that, that was just dumb. That's well, dumbness. I'll make it quick. Sam Burns over Xander Shoffley. Sam Burns missed the cut. Xander Shoffley last Burns. time I checked on the golf. Cool. Moving, so. moving along. Moving along, Kyle Davis Riley over Mark Leishman and KH Lee. Riley, uh, last I checked, was, I don't know, top 10 in the field in ball striking and giving it all back via the putter. I don't know how he actually ended, but it, it was seems like a very frustrating statistical week for Davis Riley. Yeah, he finished uh, T64, and he was, I've got it right here. Yeah, he was he was uh, plus in, in from T to green and uh, minus extreme minus with the putter. So, yeah, that's kind of nearly awesome. eight lost nearly eight strokes with the that was that's worse than Luke List, I think. And Luke List missed like three four footers. That's unlike yeah, him. KH Lee, on the other hand, had a uh, Davis Riley hit the ball so much better than KH Lee and did not score, and then Leishman missed the putt. So, uh, it didn't work out, but I I don't regret the. Like I, I stand by the bet. The coach captured victory plus 140 with Keegan Bradley to finish inside the top 20. Keegan finished just inside the top 20. T19, nine under par to cash that for the coach. Okay, gents, one and done time. Jacob, please present us with said board. Uh, Sia Najat went with Patrick Cantlay and the Sia Mush. Greg took till Sunday to come out because Cantlay was one shot off the lead. He was rocking and rolling. This could have been a million dollar payday. Instead, he drops all the way down to T13 with a 76. It's so disappointing. He looked so good. And this last round was just inexplicable. Like, I, I mean, if he goes out and shoots 70 or 71, I get it. But he, he shot 76. He, 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 on number eight, it nearly didn't make it to the water. I mean, it barely carried in the water. It's just, it was so characteristic. of Patrick That was King. unbelievable. 
It was um, I was shocked. That's worse than like when Scotty shanks one greenside because Cantlay he puts it on a tee. It's a perfect lot that he missed it by a hundred yards and the shot was like one thirty. <laughs> It looked like an optical illusion. It was un, it was <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, it, it's hard to imagine a guy that won the FedEx Cup last year, right? Just shot sixty three yesterday. Probably a better example. A guy shot sixty three yesterday, chunks it into the water like that. I mean, it's it, it was hard to imagine. So I really it, he didn't get up and down once. He was zero for eight and scrambling. That's just well, so if, unlike him. So. Well, I, See, is definitely to blame for that. Poor Patrick. For what it's, for what it's worth, uh, the rumor among our spotters on the golf course was saying that he wasn't feeling very well today. He was kind of coughing and, and, and sort of was struggling physically. Um, now, that's that's not an excuse for that eight iron he hit on number eight today or whatever it was. But but, but apparently he didn't look like he was feeling very well throughout. Well, the that, that's, a be- that's a better explanation than any I have. So I, 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 mean, I might be out on Cantlay. Uh, speaking of rumors in Cantlay, did you see the, uh, did you see his interview early in the week, Rick? No, or his press conference? no, I don't have anything like that outstanding or actually, no, I don't have anything like that. So I'll read it word for word. Outstanding. Uh, have, have, has Liv made you an offer and do you have any interest in it? So <laughs> The the right answer, uh, if you are if if it's no, is just no, right? The answer that leads to other answers in the future is as follows: My team handles all that kind of stuff, <laughs> which is just well, apparently complete, the team doesn't talk to him. Either. Complete abdication of responsibility. Uh, my team handles all that kind of stuff, whether it just be any of the sponsors that I have or anything in that department. I haven't had any direct contact with them recently. Interesting choice of words. So I really, you know, I don't have anything like that outstanding. Hmm. Does is the transcripts like, have like the 12 second pause that he threw in there at some point? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Is, is is that like you haven't checked your like your email is still on red or like what is the outstanding part there? The, the, that, the, that, um, uh, that was not great. That was not a great look if you're trying to uh if you want like if you think Patrick Cantlay is going to stay on the PGA Tour in the future, that answer is not encouraging. No, it's so easy to quell the rumor. Colin Morikawa did it over Twitter. You just you just have to say no, right? I, I'm not going. Uh, when you do that, which Kyle so eloquently read more than more eloquently than Patrick said, um, <laughs> it, it it just leads to more rumors. But the reason for that is because they don't know. Or they do know and they don't want to tell you one one or the other. And to be fair to him, it's a better answer than, you know, Brooks like lighting people up when when he it, 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 it but but it does lead me to believe that there's something there with Cantley, right? Like that that's the that's the sort of outcome when you give an answer like that. Which is which is fine. Um but it it seems like there's some smoke there. KP. Seamus Power, 58,556. Lucky for you, Sia Dejad remains our punching bag because if it were not for him, it would be you. 
Yeah, thank God for Sia. That Seamus was up to I think he was T nine as recently as yesterday afternoon, and he just yeah. just completely fell apart. So again, I don't really regret the pick. I think it was a good pick for where I was at and what he was doing, but he just let me down on on uh, Saturday Sunday. And I'm thankful for both you and Sia because I am just barely above both of you. Davis Riley, 17,845. We already talked about him struggling on the weekend. Greg, 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 Greg. The only goose egg out there, my friend, and it's for you. Zero dollars from one Denny McCarthy. Yep. Uh, I didn't see it going this way. (laughs) (laughs) It also may have been slightly... This is a I, I I this is all just all on me. I really thought he was going to have a good week, but I just kind of threw it. I just kind of threw it out there, and I, I could have put a little more thought into it. Would I have had Xander? No, I already played him. Um, could I have played Thigala? I wouldn't have. Um, so and look, it, I I don't know how much better I would have done. I'd like K to leave this week. Well, it would have been better, but still not great. So I, I think I was just a little bit off of it this week. It's near the top of the board. Jacob, $148,708 from Tony Finau. That's the same group of T13 that Patrick Cantlay was in. Yeah, super, uh, super disappointing. I mean, I, I thought we were going to find a little magic in the bottle with Tony Finau because he'd, he'd start to post some good results. But, I mean, I guess it just didn't happen. And. You know, and I and I will say, talking about Cantley's response to live, we were just babysitting a, a seven-year-old over the weekend, and that was pretty much his response to any time you'd ask him if he washed his hands after the bathroom. You know, he's he's just like, you know, you're just like, did you wash your hands? You know, I can't confirm or deny that I did wash my hands. Like by the time we my finished, team, my team handles that. Yeah, and we're like, we didn't hear any water running, and he's just like, I don't know what to tell you. I washed my hands. Yeah. <laughs> the same response I give my wife when she checks the bank account and it's like a purchase from TaylorMade. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. I don't I mean, know maybe no free ads. No free ads, Rick. Yeah. That was, that's, uh, it's a mistake either way. Who's our current sponsor of the of the show? Uh coach went with Keegan Bradley, 98,355. But the big, big winners, and they've been they've been buzzing. They've been buzzing in the chat. Fans can full, pound sand with a full <laughs> 1.494 million dollars selecting Xander Shoffley, who coach uh Bello laughed at. He gave it the big full gut chuckle when that pick was revealed. The fans went with Xander Shoffley and got the winner's share. And now, Mark, you had Davis Riley 17845. Now the fans, when you look in the rearview mirror, are your closest competitor. Yeah, um, and they're daunting prospect right now, to be honest with you, because um, they've got a pretty full stash of players left as we line up the uh, the rest of the season. But, you know, it's just time for me to put this behind me and, and, and make a few good picks coming up, especially at the Open. I, I, I may pivot. I'll sort of watch how they go over the next bit. But thankfully, I've got two guys who play the old course pretty well that I might sort of slot in there, guys I'd been saving for the playoffs. So we'll go week by week, but it's time to bounce back from the Riley uh, thing for me. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We have nine events left. Do we, we don't do the opposite field events, right? We don't do Barbasol or... We didn't, we didn't do them last year. 
Barracuda. The I don't Barbasol is an opposite field now, is it? That's a real. That that's a full. full it's, op it's, no, opposite are... of, it's opposite of the of the Scottish. Scottish. All right, God, forgive me. All right. And Barracuda is opposite of the Open. So we got. What's the rule? Say again. What's the rule, Jacob? What did we do? What did we do last year? No, no opposites. No opposite fields. I think, right. I think the, Scottish, the Scottish is on the the table though this year. So yeah, yeah. So it's John Deere Scottish Open, 3M Rocket Mortgage Wyndham St Jude BMW Tour Championship. Can we talk about Matthew Wolf? What would you like to say about him? Uh, I, I think, <laughs> that's enough. I think he's one of the ones where it's it's both unsurprising but also kind of jarring to think about a 20, whatever he is, 22-year-old with that talent and those major fin I, I get that he's been just garbage for the last two years, but top five at the PGA, top five at the 2020 U.S. Open, and to think about him going, you're like, man, that's it's it's unsurprising because I, I think you tweeted, I think you reported this, Rick. Like you were hearing a lot of stuff around him. That's what a lot of people had been saying, but it's also a little bit uh, surprising is the wrong word, jarring, disconcerting, whatever. That it's not a 44, 48 year old Lee Westwood past his prime. It's a 22 year old Matthew Wolf who has shown top ten type talent that is like I'm out on the PGA tour. And now Liv has this is a random stat, but for the top seven from the 2020 US Open, uh Usazen, uh Bryson, Wolf, and DJ all finished in the top seven at that US Open. That's a major that was not that long ago. And Liv has just rated that, you know, the that level of player. And I don't know. I think that's continues to be problematic for the PGA tour. Yeah. So these, the Matthew Wolf rumblings, Greg have been going on for a while. There's kind of just this expectation that, uh, probably tomorrow, Monday or Tuesday, that'll become official and he'll, he'll play in Portland. So we're just kind of waiting on the, the official news there, but this is, you know, it, it, it's kind of strange. We don't often get to compare golf to other sports and, it, it, this feels like a change of scenery thing, right? Like sometimes guys just need a change, change of scenery. And Matthew Wolf has been very open about his, uh, you know, mental struggles and how difficult it's been for him on the PGA tour. And I don't know if this is the answer for him, but I think he's much more willing to try something new than maybe a lot of other guys. Yeah. I think a lot of the mental health stuff, uh, and, and a lot of the other things that happen off the golf course have affected Matthew Wolf greatly on the golf course. And it can lead you to a place where you don't, you're not making sound decisions or you're not making clear decisions, or you're just thinking about things differently than maybe he would have when he first came out of college. Um, so I think a lot's changed in his life. I don't know what exactly it is. Um, but I, I'm not surprised at all, uh, that, that he's decided to go and the game feels like, like you were saying about Lexi earlier, Kyle, is there a lot of joy there? Matthew Wolf's been very vocal about it, and there's not a lot of joy there. So for this year, it'll be seven events for him. Uh, next year, it'll go up to 14. And he probably is very fond of the guarantee. Um, 
and and I I get why he is as as volatile as he is, and um, he's been struggling with his game. So he in a way fits the mold, but at his, with his youth, it, it's what doesn't fit the mold. So yeah, this it's disappointing. It's disappointing, but understandable. Greg, problem or not a problem? Is Matthew Wolf a problem or not a problem for the PGA Tour that he's leaving? Uh, he's a he's a it's a. I think it's it a starts problem. a problem. It's a problem. I think it starts a problem. I don't think Matthew Wolf individually leaving is a problem, but I my worry and fear is that players uh, in his age group start to follow that are established on tour already, and that's when it becomes a really big problem. So I, I, I'm I'm with you, Greg. I I just my take my five cents worth, which is about worth about that, is. It's disappointing for me because just three short years ago, I think it was, he was the star coming out of college. I mean, he was the guy everyone was paying attention to. It wasn't Hovland. It wasn't, certainly wasn't Marikawa. He was like the third rank one of the bunch, according to all of the pundits. And Matthew was the guy with the swagger, the swing. He had companies falling over themselves to get to him. Then, of course, he wins quickly, and the, the world is his oyster. And just a few short years later... He's not competing with those two guys at all, let alone his, his peers on the tour. And he goes and signs with a, a league for guaranteed money. And the and doing that sort of says to me that this is a guy that probably doesn't seem like he believes a whole lot in what his current skill set is or where he might be mentally. So it's it's sort of sad for me if, if, I, if I look at it from that point of view. More of a problem, Rick. Eugenio Chakara, the number two amateur in the world, or Matthew Wolf going to which by the way, the I Live think, is becoming like the Oklahoma State Super Tour with all these OSU guys going over. Yeah, the the answer realistically is if you get the number two amateur, that's that's more problematic uh than than what Matthew Wolf has done. But this is not a this is not a play to build the deepest best tour in golf necessarily. So I actually think that live, you know, picking off more popular players than, than great players works for them. So like, I, I think the real answer should be, if you get the number two amateur in the world, you've stolen one, but I, I don't, I don't think it will matter to, to golf fans at all. Uh, the amateur, the Chikara one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree think, completely with Rick. I think the, I think the problem is because I'm with Greg, you can't become a star without context, right? You can't Eugenio Chikara is a name to us because we watch the NCAAs and whatever, but no, like we're in the 1% or 99%, however you say that of golf fans, like that's not most people. Right. And so you can't become a star just by shooting 65s at pumpkin Ridge. Cause I don't know what the hell that means. I have, I have no idea what it means to win a tournament at Pumpkin Ridge against Richard Bland and uh, your boy Henny, Mark. What, how do you say his last name? Duplessis. Duplessis. I don't, I don't know what that means. Now, the thing is, if Liv gets 10 of those guys and one of them gets into the Open Championship and wins the Open Championship, like if they, get a, if they would have gotten, for example, a Will Zalatoris – who can get into these majors in different ways by getting OJGR parts on the Asian tour or by qualifying for the U S open or whatever. And that person goes on and that's a 
Now that's a long shot to be able to do that, but that person goes on to contend in or win a major championship. Then all of a sudden you've taken 10 rips at amateurs and one of them is hit and has become a Zalatoris type. Then you have a star that you didn't even have to make. The majors made him, right? And that's why when we talk about the link between the majors and Liv, it becomes extraordinarily important for Liv's future, not just because more guys will go over, but because you get stars made by the Masters and by the PGA Championship that you don't even have to make. And then all of a sudden, they're also playing your tour, so they're stars over there. So I don't know. I think that's a little bit their philosophy is take – 10 or 15 rips at amateurs. And if one of them hits in a big way at the majors, then all of a sudden all of those, all that money was worth it. Won't be the, won't be the last words we speak about live this week. Uh, Carlos Ortiz also in route to finish off that, that Portland field. Really? Uh, mm -hmm. Is that, did that just come out? Um, That's speculated, but yeah, so, so sports illustrated, um, and the and the telegraph within the last hour or so are confirming uh Chikara, Wolf, and Ortiz as those last three spots in Portland. Something, something I want to point out Garcia, Brasson, Chikara, Abraham Ansa, Carlos um, Ortiz, a lot of these guys are all represented by the same agency, GSE. GSE. And when we were in Mexico, I was talking with one of their agents and he was like, They're going, Mark, they're going. And I was like, well, what about the president's company? He goes, come on, man, they're going. Now, Neiman is hanging on, and there's a few of the, the other guys hanging on too. So, I don't know. We're going to see defections and stuff as it goes along, and uh, you just got to kind of – it is what it is, as Tiger Woods would say. It is what it is. And this is the First Cut Podcast, and we are going to put a pin in it for right now. Gentlemen, fun as always. We'll be back uh, next week, Monday, DFS preview, Tuesday, mega preview, Wednesday, betting, round by round recaps, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all the usual good stuff coming to your feeds. But for now, big thanks to producer Jacob doing all the hard work behind the scenes. Jacob, also someone, someone was very upset and they said to me, why don't you ever give out producer Jacob's Twitter handle? I want to follow him. And this is this is the moment I'm going to change that. So Jacob is available at Jacob underscore Halex. There you go, Jacob. Uh, Greg Ducharme is available at the Real GFD. Mark Immelman at Mark underscore Immelman. Kyle Porter is available at Kyle Porter CBS. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time. Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the Men's Sunday Performance Jogger and don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot sports. 
Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing.